Welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.11F, mm-hmm. and we are in our final sub-episode of this entire unpacking of evil and sin. Yep. And so this last episode, we're going to be covering what should our response and interactions with sin be? How can we minimize or even prevent sin in our life? And then how are we supposed to respond when we or others sin? My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the founder of Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios, and I'm a student at Liberty University studying youth ministry, pastoral leadership, and psychology. And then our our guest uh, speaker for this entire series through all six episodes is Connor High. And so, Connor, we appreciate you uh, all these hours uh, we've been putting in late night and early morning uh, to get this recorded. Thank you for having me, Shannon. It's been great to unpack this uh, with both of you. So... um, Let's give a a quick recap first. Uh, hopefully, this isn't this isn't the first episode you're dialing yeah, into. For sure. Um, if it is, we want to give you a quick recap, but we definitely encourage you mm-hmm. to actually go back and listen listen to all the other ones. Um, and we also, we, we would like some um, feedback feedback from mm-hmm. you. For those of you who've, who've listened to all of them, um, what are you thinking? Right? How are you feeling? Uh, are you overwhelmed? Are you mad? Are you encouraged? Are you confused? Um, some mixture of all some those. mixture of all that yeah so on Podbean you can do comments to the episodes so so throw a comment out there and just just tell us what you're thinking or you can you can email us at, at info at rekindlingministries.com and we would just like to see where you guys are we, we've been praying mm-hmm. um, for for you listening through this entire series that there's some changes that can, can can occur for you uh, and then you can see some powerful awesomeness right uh, in life when it comes to this whole mm-hmm. whole sin issue and then also give us some feedback you know, we usually give one whole straight episode with all the material, and we knew that we weren't going to give a six to eight hour podcast. So we thought about splitting it into like three, two or two and a half hour podcasts. But then we ended up breaking up into these six, each one running 45 minutes to an hour and a half. So let us know what you think. Do you like having the smaller uh, episodes that you can kind of listen to back to back? Or are you okay with having what's one big one and kind of starting and stopping? And, and, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have time stamps for each of these so you mm-hmm. can see kind of the, the, the different components. But anyways, yeah, so give us the feedback on that. So, but let's go ahead and do a quick recap of each of the first five sub-episodes that we did leading up to this to this final one. Yeah, so the first one we had was episode 3.11a, and during that episode, we really just defined what is evil and sin were the main things we talked about. So our definition of evil actually related back to the good study that we did uh, just prior to this, and so we said that there's different classifications almost of evil. And so uh, E0s are worthless, E1s are displeasing, E2s are detrimental or harmful, that idea. And then there's also E3s, which are moral. And so those relate directly back to the G0 through G3s that we talked about with the good study. Another way to say that is when you see the word evil in the Bible, it may mean, it may may be referring to something as worthless or displeasing or detrimental or immoral. Mm -hmm. And it does seem that 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 third one for both the goods and the evils, the beneficial detrimental, becomes a huge dichotomy through this whole theme. Yeah. And then also we define sin. And so what we've been saying is sin is primarily a turning away from God and his beneficial goods and secondarily uh, turning to something else. And so that can look like a lot of different things, but uh, just that primarily the issue is that we're turning away from God. Yeah, and, and not finding our satisfaction and contentment mm-hmm. in him. Mm-hmm. And so these other things that, that are pleasing but detrimental that we turn to instead, and that really is that technical definition of sin. In episode B, we, we looked at the question, what does sin result in? And there were six points that were in that episode. Um, one, sin results in pleasure. 
it results in a detriment to your or others' well-being. Um, third, it results in a prevention of other beneficial goods such as peace, joy, uh, intimacy, etc. Um, and also, kind of with that, it does not create separation from God or a harming of His holiness and glory. Uh, fourth, it results in a spiraling down with sin begetting more sin. Uh, fifth, it eventually results in death, um, whether that's physical or spiritual. And we actually have that crossed out in our notes because for believers, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it doesn't result in spiritual death. And then uh, sixth, it is an opportunity for patience, uh, forgiveness, grace, etc., some of the beneficial goods that we talked about. And an important note uh, as part of that episode is that because um, as believers we don't we don't have the spiritual death, um, that's kind of the critical aspect of, of sin. And so we can look at sin now as more of a serious issue, and that kind of puts us in a, a right frame of mind and heart to kind of tackle future sins and to get better at not sinning. Yeah, that's huge, right? The, and there's a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of meat in that episode. Definitely encourage you to go back to that. Yeah, for sure. And then in the third episode, in in three eleven points or three point one one C, we discussed the big question, the problem of evil. Why does this holy, perfect, loving, good, awesome, powerful, all knowing, omnicompetent God allow evil and sin and suffering? You know, if, if He hates it so much. Um, and so we spent, we, we walked through a bunch of different points of, it, it seems that these are all factors into why we live in this broken prologue. And so you have the, uh, the importance of irrevocable, significant, limited free will, and you have the need for moral responsibility. Then you have this issue of, it seems that there's a lot of beneficial goods that God in his love wants us to experience, experience but can only be experienced in the presence of evil and sin, such as beneficial goods, such as forgiveness or sacrifice or growth and transformation. Uh, I think we had eight or nine that we listed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and knowing that, so given all that, we had to have this broken prologue. The phrase that we said was given the full story that God wanted to tell, or he wanted us to experience sin was necessary. And sin was something he did not want in the eternal kingdom of heaven. So he created this temporary broken prologue, this beta version of life uh, for us to go through first. And that, that of course, caused a lot of sin. Uh, but then he was going to come in and atone for it anyways. And that's what, that's what he accomplished on the cross. In episode D, we, we looked at the specific sins. And we had a list of the specific sins that... Um, the Bible discusses and we kind of categorize those into commands and prohibitions. And so we looked at, you know, what are those specific sins? Um, what, what is the application of that, the practical application and, and how do we respond um, and, and try to do the commands and do less of the prohibitions. Yeah. And then this lap, last episode, episode E, we talked about what God's response to sin is. And if you guys didn't listen to that one specifically, I really would encourage you to go back because it uh, it wasn't that long of an episode compared to some of the other ones we've done, but it really was quite impactful mm-hmm. uh, with just how if you allow a different view of God and his response to sin to really impact your life, it'll just change the way you view God and how you battle sin. So really would encourage you guys to specifically go back and look at that one. Um, but what would you guys say? So of the five that we've recorded so far, if there was only one that somebody could listen to of those five, what would you recommend? From a practical application I would, yeah, tell us what you would do and then why. What's the reasoning? Yeah. Uh, so 
I would say that you should listen to the one before this uh, episode E because just the practical application of allowing a different view of God than what you may have heard, it's just so impactful and it changes the way you look at him and the way you approach sin. Um, and it, it it's just so powerful in allowing you uh, in allowing me to um, actually battle sin. Mm. And so just from a practicality standpoint, definitely. Yeah. Episode, the, uh, e. episode E. Yeah. Connor, about you? Um, I think for me, Shannon, um, episode D was probably the most impactful, and that's the specific list of sins. Mm-hmm. And really, that just laid it out. You know, it is a, a transformative process, it is a, a lengthy process, and we're trying to um, mature as believers. And so when we take this list, it's a really practical way um, to do that and not feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. um, and to really move towards maturing as a believer in sanctification process. So I really enjoyed that episode. Yeah, I want to say D, which is what you said, Connor, with the list. But if I had to pick one, I would pick E. Um, the If you don't listen to one, just because it was so life-changing to me, uh, it changed my relationship to God. You know, I want you to listen to all of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, but to me, like yeah. that would be the most emotional, powerful experience. And But then if I had a close tie or right behind it would be the, the list of the sins because mm-hmm. it's just so to the point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so what kind of we talked about with God's response to sin is the first and main response that he has is a deep love of people. Uh, and so we see this in uh, Mark twelve thirty nine through 31, and also just 1 Corinthians 13, just the definition of love. And we also see that he grieves and, is aver- and averts himself uh, from detrimental, disobedient things. And so mm-hmm. he hates sin. Uh, he also, though, patiently forgives wrongdoers, especially those who confess him as Lord. Uh, and along those lines, he, for people that do confess him as Lord, he gives tough discipline and training, but he does this for the purpose of strengthening and occasionally through anger. And so we talked about how anger is something that um, God does use sometimes, but it's not one of the number one responses that he has to send. It's much further down the, the list. End, yeah. And it's a tool that he does sometimes use, but commonly we see that as a primary tool that he uses, and it's really just... No. Yeah, I love the way you said that in the last episode, that that his anger is not the first thing that happens. It may not even happen at all. Mm-hmm. If it does happen, it's way down the road, only after a lot of other things occur, yeah. only, only because needed. So. Mm-hmm. So, so getting into this discussion here, what, so practically speaking, you know, what, what is our interaction with sin going to look like? We're, the short answer is just like God's. Yeah. So just, just what you said, that we should be loving people, we should be grieving uh, the sin, uh, we should be patient and accepting as we discipline and train, you know, all that. Uh, so what, how we're going to split this one up is, first we're going to talk about what are some things that you can do preemptively to try to minimize or even prevent sin in your life. So to be able to either keep the temptations away or have the strength and wisdom to resist the temptations when they come. So we're going to go through that first and we'll touch on because that because your primary primary responsibility is you. Mm-hmm. So what can you do uh, to minimize or prevent uh, sin in your life? Then we'll touch on what that would mean. How, how can you help others as well? Mm-hmm. Then so that that's how to prevent or, or, or minimize. Then we'll move to. All right. Now, let's say because sin is still going to occur. So given that sin occurs, how should we respond? And we're going to break that into a couple of sections of first, how you should respond to your sin. Mm-hmm. 
and then how you should respond to the sin of other believers and how you should respond to the sin of non-believers. And we'll, we'll kind of break all, all that down. Um, so, but before we do that, we, just like we did in the last episode, we want to give you guys some key passages that, that we had covered in, in the study. We did this a year, year and a half ago, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna highlight some of those verses and see some of these major points, uh, and then we'll we'll organize all that into kind of this bullet point list of things you can do. So the first one to me is one of the most powerful ones is Psalm fifty one, and we're we're gonna come back to that when we get to the mm-hmm. application later on. Um, but we see in Psalm fifty one that you need to confess and acknowledge your sin. You need to remind yourself of God's love that He's not leaving you and that He's forgiving you and erasing your sin. You need to ask for a renewal of a steadfast spirit within you because it was a weak you that caused the sin. Um, and wisdom and joy being two of the strong components to, to achieving that. And then, and it's a very powerful approach to take. And we're going to elaborate on that because I love that one so much. Um, and, then I, and then as you're getting good at it, then you can teach it to others. And then they can, they can implement it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, another passage that we see is Proverbs 3, 2 through 26. And in that one, it says that we need to trust in God's directions and discipline more than our own understanding of things, and that we will uh, then we will never stumble. Um, it will bring life to our soul, refreshment to our bones, peace and favor in the sight of God and men. We also looked at Micah 6, 7 through 8, and so we saw what God considers good, and so what things does he find valuable, pleasing, beneficial, or moral. And uh, this is the list that that verse says. It says to walk humbly with him, so we need to kneel in adoration and awe, yielding ourselves to his ways and his deeds. We need to love kindness, which uh, means that we need to delight in being useful to others, and we need to do justice. We need to pursue the making of things right. And then in Matthew 18, verses 7 to 35, and we're going to come back to this again also, too, with biblical rebuke, but do not cause your brother to stumble at any cost, crippling yourself if need be. Uh, Do your part in bringing stray brothers back into the fold. Show him or her his fault in private to win him over. If he refuses, you gather one or two others to help you. If he still refuses, you gather the whole church to help you. If he still refuses, you treat him as a tax collector. More on that shortly of what that means. Um, There's also the the point of you need to forgive 70 times 7, which is not 490 times. It's an idiom meaning indefinitely. So you you need to keep forgiving your, your, your brother or those who sin against you. We also looked at Luke six thirty five through forty two, um, that talks about um, to love, show mercy, um, and pardon to freely and fully pardon others. Um, also talks about taking the log out of our own eyes before we remove the speck in our brothers. And a note there: it seems that logs and specks do not reference specific bigger or smaller sins because we talked about in one of the previous episodes that there isn't a ranking right um, to sin. So, but rather there, a log is anything that you're struggling with, and a speck is anything that your brother is struggling with. Yeah, which in practical application, think through that for a second. So you struggle with white lies. Um, your brother is in some sort of uh, homosexual, adulterous affair. You can't be taken, because that's a speck. His, his homosexual, adulterous affair is a speck, and your white lies is a plank. Hmm. Because that's what you're dealing with versus what he's dealing with. You know, and if it, if it was flipped, then it's flipped, right? Yeah. Um, but you need to be, and it doesn't mean that you can you can only take the plank out when you're sinless. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. But you're constantly working intentionally. Yeah. You've addre- you, you're addressing, you're dealing with, you're, you're slowly improving on your area. Only then are you going to be equipped with what you need to help them in their area. Yeah, because if you have sin that you're actively per- 
uh, pursuing in your own life, you're not going to be able to see, which I think is that idea of a plank there. Which goes back to the buckets analogy too. You know, I'm mm-hmm. eating from this bucket as I'm trying to help you with that bucket right back from one of the earlier episodes. Yeah. So we also looked at 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 13, uh, which is talking about kind of correction and that sort of thing. And it says to remove the wicked person from amongst you so that he might be saved. And uh, we also tied that back to 2 Corinthians 2, 5 through 11. And we're going to come back to that this thing. You don't remove them right away. So just like anger is a delayed response for God only as needed, mm-hmm. the removal of a wicked person from amongst yourselves is a del- delayed response only as needed. And we'll elaborate on all that. Um, and then we saw uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 23 through 10, 13. It's a whole long passage on being intentional and focused uh, in your run or your journey, remembering that you're always going to be tempted, but you need to, to resist looking for the way out that God has provided for you. Yep, and also 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8a, um, and this is the love, talks, talking mm-hmm. about love, and love is paramount. We keep coming um, back to this chapter. Yeah, it's required. Um, without it, nothing you do counts. Uh, among other things, it is patient and enduring, and it does not take the wrong of others into account or let itself become irritated. Um, but it does rejoice in truth, not in unrighteousness. So it is useful toward the wrongdoer, bearing their burdens, hoping, expecting they can change, and trusting, giving them an opportunity to do right. So I do encourage you guys to go back and listen to the love unpacking because we, we elaborate on that even further. Mm-hmm. Then we also looked at Galatians five sixteen through six sixteen, which is uh, the whole passage that talks about walking in step with the spirit, not the flesh. And so you'll have the tools to resist sin and temptation. Uh, and and that's the fruit of the spirit right there. Too. Yeah, the fruit of the spirit, too. Um, and so it's interesting uh, as you're walking in step with the spirit, what the text says is you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's uh, I remember uh-huh. hearing a pastor or someone talk about it. And it's like a double emphatic or something fancy in the Greek. And it basically like you will means, not not even. Yeah, you absolutely will not. Uh, and so it's just such a strong statement that if that's what we're actually doing, we absolutely positively are not going to sin. And so that can just be really encouraging in this um, discussion as we try and fight sin, that if we are walking in the spirit, then that's actually possible. It, the problem is doing that consistently. Right. Um, and so only those that are walking in step with the spirit in the moment are equipped and ready to bear the burdens of their brother in sin and then also restore them gently. And we're going to come back to that again. Yep. And then in 1 Timothy 1, verses 18 to 20, for those who have cast off or have shipwrecked their faith, surrender them to Satan so that they learn not to blasphemy. And again, these are harsh um, phrases. But you have to take them in the whole context, and so we're going to piece all that together for you guys. Uh, there's also Second Timothy three thirteen through seventeen, um, and that's saying that evil is the natural order of things, and so therefore we need to equip ourselves with wisdom of the sacred writings of Scripture, so that we may know what right looks like and be equipped to carry it out. And we also need to look at Titus two seven through three eleven, which uh, says that we need to be an example of good deeds. And along those lines, we need to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, since we know that we've already been redeemed from them. And so we need to be peaceable, gentle, mild with all others. Again, knowing that we ourselves were once foolish. And it also says to warn uh, a divisive man twice and then shun him, which goes back to uh, some of the responses that we're about to get into. Yeah. So we've seen at least three times that Paul says, like, basically kick a person out of community. Mm-hmm. And so, like, oh, okay. So if someone's <laughs> screwing up, we just kick him out. No, wait. Read it all in its context. Put all this together, which we're going to do for you shortly here. And then uh, James 5, 16 to 20, we learned that you know you need to sincerely acknowledge your sins with each other and confidently pray together that you may turn back to the truth when you stray. 
and then also Second Peter 1, 2 through 11, um, partaking of the divine power of God and diligently adding to our faith will render um, us useful and fruitful, never stumbling and receiving a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. That, that last one in the Galatians 5, if you walk in step with the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Uh, if you add to your faith goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, perseverance, and goes through the whole list, it says if you do these things, you will never stumble. So your short answer to how do you prevent or limit or minimize sin in your life is walk in step with the Spirit and add to your faith diligently those things. That's the short answer. Now, it's complicated, it's difficult, etc. but I love always starting with those passages and kind of branching out from there. So with all those passages... We've put together here for you a little proposal for resisting sin, for trying to minimize it, limit it, even prevent it in your life. And so we're just, these are kind of some bullet points here. And there's a whole lot to each of these, um, but we wanted to be able to voice it and put it all together. It was really fun when we were doing this study and taking all these different verses. Okay, so we have this one, we have this one, we have this one. Those actually say the same thing, so we can group them together. This one would seem to need to, need to come before this one. This one would come after this one. And we just put together this whole cool thing, and, and I really enjoyed it, and it's very, very practical. Now, some of these are kind of duh, um, but we wanted that we wanted to list them out there. So, what are ways to minimize, limit, or prevent sin in your life? Uh, point one: Believe in Christ as Lord and receive His Holy Spirit. So, if, if you are listening to this and you haven't drank that Jesus Kool Aid, right, and you're, and you're not saved yet, you're, He's not your King or Lord. It's going to be very difficult to not do these detrimental things. Um, so one of the very first things you need to do is come to grips with the fact of who is Jesus. And this goes back to our whole, um, quadlemma, right? From, from Lewis's trilemma that he, he is either uh, a myth. He never existed or he was a, a mad or he was a uh, misquoted. He was a good person, but never claimed God. Or he was a madman. He did claim God, but he's crazy. Or he was a miscreant. He claimed God, um, claimed to be God's just for power and, and manipulation. Or he was master. He truly was God kind of one of those five and so you want to come to grips with he is the king of heaven he is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords he is the creator of the universe and so you want to make him your king and if you do the holy spirit that that third part of the triune nature of god whatever that is right that but the holy spirit will come to dwell within you uh and that right there will help go a long way in this resisting sin Mm -hmm. and the second point in limiting resisting preventing sin in our lives is to study scripture and, and let it study you as well and that goes back to applying the details of Scripture to the details of our lives. Um, and also leads into what we talked about episode D, but knowing the commands, knowing the prohibitions um, to be able to limit and prevent sin. You know, it's funny. So in season one, we were recording the lenses. We touched on Scripture. Uh, we referenced some passages, but for the most part, it was focused on the, on the lenses or the paradigms themselves. Yeah. And then know thyself, we touched on some Scripture. Um, but a lot of it was just trying to figure out how God has made you for what purpose, etc., uh, and we knew in those first two seasons we're not referencing a, a lot of scripture, even though it was all behind the scenes for us and it was mm-hmm. foundational to us. So here we are in the third season, uh, really trying to get into what scripture has to say and, and and what does it mean and how to apply it and the implications and all that. Mm-hmm. And w- once you accept Jesus as your Savior and you begin to study scripture, what that allows you to do is begin to walk humbly and you can walk prayerfully and step with the Spirit, letting him lead you and nudge you and guide you. And if you do allow him to do that, he's going to develop love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, 
and temperance within you. So you can just really see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And we're going to do an unpacking on each one of those. So real quick on that one, what in the world does it mean to walk in step with the Spirit? And Paul says in Galatians 6, now that we have life in the Spirit, let us be led by the Spirit. So it's two, and we, we, we touched on this a couple episodes ago. Uh, and in the maturity study, but it seems that there's almost like the, the immature believer and the mature believer moving from the milk to the solid food and, and all that jazz that as a believer, you believe Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit resides within you and, and he's the seal of your salvation. He's going to he's going to intercede for you with words that you can't express. And he's helping you with that. Definitely. You want to start actually not just having him reside within you, but also to lead you. And so if you imagine even just like walking in step, so you're walking behind somebody and you're just lining up your legs with their legs, right? Or in the water analogy that the Holy Spirit is just under the water on the surface with his hands up on the surface. And so you have to look and see where his hands are and then you're walking in step on his hands to, to walk on water. Um, another example would be uh, a dance instructor. So as you go into a dance studio and you're taking dance classes and, and it's, it's a partner dancing, you have the dance instructor. The instructor has all these different clues, like with the way that they'll, they'll pull their hand on your on your back or they'll lift the arm up. There's little clues that we're going right, left, or slowing down, or speeding up, etc. So you're not a puppet. The, the dance instructor doesn't do everything. You still have to make the decision to take these certain steps to slow down, to spin, etc. But but the dance instructor is giving you the instructions, right? You know, just little clues, little nudges, even a lot of times unspoken, um, right before. And so you know how to do it. And, and, and the, the better you get at it with two dance partners, the amazing dances they can perform. So, so the Holy Spirit is our spiritual dance instructor. Uh, and so he'll give us these little nudges and insights and clues on what to do. The problem is, in this analogy, he's invisible, intangible, and inaudible. So imagine taking a dance class and you had a dance instructor, but he was invisible and ethereal, intangible, and inaudible. Makes it really hard to follow those leads. So this is why we do see the unseen in the spiritual lenses in season one, because those paradigms can help you start paying more attention to the spirit in the moment. Scripture and prayer being the, and, and community being the big three pillars of that. And so that's why we spent time, two episodes on scripture, and we'll, and we'll spend a couple episodes on prayer. And, and so practically speaking, it's difficult, but at least we wanted to address it, and you want to begin to walk in step with the spirit, because the spirit will give you what you need to resist that sin. Uh, so then another thing is you want to begin to partake of God's divine nature and diligently add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, temperance, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. This is the, the second Peter one. And, and just a little note on that. So the way that, that I even read things now, when I'm reading scripture and I'm looking at like lists of words, I'm asking myself, what is the unpacked meaning of that word? And, and, and if I have done it, then I know if I haven't done it, then I need to go unpacking. And so this will change your approach to scripture. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, practically, you know, um, and so you want to, you really want to know what all eight of those are and you want to diligently begin to increase and add them uh, with it all. Um, another one is to begin to love God, others and self <coughs> deeply. And that comes back to the definition of love that we've been using, you know, the heart, soul, mind and strength. Right. So a passionate <clears throat> treasuring with the affection and the valuing of. Um, walking humbly in obedience to God, um, steadily understanding others and patiently forgiving them, forgiving their wrongs, um, and then also actively con contributing to their well-being. Yeah, and we talked about in the love study, first 
recognize that God loves himself perfectly, then he loves the world and receive that love. Hmm. And as you're receiving that love, then begin to apply such love back to him, then begin to apply such love to yourself, then begin to apply such love to your close ones, uh, close loved ones. Let them then put it upon you, then start showing such love to the strangers and neutrals of life. And then if you're really daring and you're really mature and you really want to please God, um, you show such love to the enemies. Mm-hmm. And then you also want to begin to treasure the beneficial things that God treasures and detest the detrimental things that God detests. So that really just comes back to the definition of sin that we've been talking about. You want to spend your time with God and not be turning around to the things that are going to be detrimental to yourself or others. And that just made me think when we when we recorded the last episode, we were talking about God's response to sin. We didn't do God's response to obedience which is the inverse of that, but we can just make the comment here that when you are obedient and you resist the prohibitions and you're doing the commandments, uh, it brings him massive amounts of pleasure. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. He gets to marvel, so like Jesus and the Roman centurion. Um, he just gets to grin ear to ear. Uh, so he loves it when he sees people contributing benefit and not detriment. He gets all excited. That's what he's all about with his love and his community. Uh, and he does bestow rewards. And a lot of these unpackings with humility and some of the other ones, it's flat out states. You know, if you're doing these things and being obedient, these things will happen. Could be rewards in this life, could be rewards in the next life. But he loves showering those rewards on people because of what they're doing. Uh, and then another another point, um, you need to intentionally implement gentle but tough disciplined training methods to strengthen you for obedience and the pursuit of justice and good deeds. So this is the free throw shooting, the wind sprints, etc. Um, you're doing that not as a punishment for yourself or for others, but you're doing it to grow stronger. Yeah. Um, also, um, we need to let others sh- shoulder our burdens alongside us and come alongside us and shoulder our burdens. And that can be really hard. Yeah. And this act, we keep referring back to season one, the different lenses, and but we really do need to live with an eternal, internal, external mindset, mm-hmm. uh, which is making sure that we're more focused on the eternal things and focus on our internal character and before we get controlled by what's going on externally around us. We also need to have a be-do-have mindset, which is uh, we need to make sure that we are developing the internal character, which will lead to correct actions, and then uh, really the have stuff just becomes tertiary. Mm-hmm. And the Managing um, your resources. Yeah, so you want to manage your resources well, but that's not the focus. This relates back to spectrum, uh, recognizing that there's a range of issues that, or there's a range of um acceptable Mm -hmm. ways you can look at something and say that just because you're on one end of the spectrum and someone else is on the other end doesn't mean that they're wrong and you're right. Scripture tends to paint pictures in ranges of what the correct things actually are. Uh, And then flight, fight, persevere. Sometimes in the midst of sin, you need to just flee. We see that in Joseph uh, when he's tempted sexually by Potiphar's wife. He he runs. Um, sometimes you need to fight. You need to stand there and actually um, Try to change the bad. Yeah, change the behavior that's going on around you. And sometimes you do just need to stand there and take it and persevere. And each of those is dependent on what the Spirit is guiding you to do. And we talk about all of those in much more depth yeah. back in season one. Yeah, I'm excited to do the patience, perseverance, endurance unpacking. That's some good stuff with that. Um, you also, things that will help with, with resisting or, or limiting sin in your life. You need to recognize that temptations will come. Uh, And when they do, practice your discipline methods. Deny the temptation and look for the way out that God has provided. And that will, how that looks will vary from person to person, situation to situation. 
Mm-hmm. And as and as we you know limit <coughs> and resist and prevent sin in our lives, uh, we'll find refreshment um, for our bones and favor in the sight of God and men. And then, so that's just a lot of real practical ways on how to limit uh, and prevent sin preactively in your own life. We think it's also worth touching on how to really help other believers be doing that as well. Um, because, and the reason we're saying believers instead of just people is because I don't think you can really help an unbeliever present sin because they don't have the first point, which is a relationship with Christ. Right. And so, but... With that being said, uh, in order to help prevent sin in the lives of other believers, really the first thing that you have to do is consistently do all of the above in your own life. So you have to be salt and light. You need to be the city on the hill for them, shining like stars in a dark universe. Um, Paul even says, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ, Mm -hmm. that sort of idea that if we are um, leading by the example, we can help others really see the value in that and they will just automatically see the value in it. Um, as we do the second part, which is teach them and encourage them to, to do the same. And so just helping equip people to actually start to do these things in their lives and educating right. them on how to actually do that. Right. Another thing that will help with all this is vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice in this whole series how we keep mentioning beneficial and detrimental. Um, it's gone a long way because sin is such a politi- politically, politically, emotionally, spiritually charged word. Mm-hmm that it can be a, a deal breaker or an impediment at times. So one of the things that you can help with, with you, other believers, non-believers, whatever, is to go through and say, listen, I'm trying to create more benefit for me and others. I'm trying to contribute to my well-being and others' well-being, and I'm trying to limit the detriment that, that um, I cause me or others. I don't know if anyone's going to push back against that hmm. who wouldn't want to see more benefit in their life and others' lives and less detriment in their life and others' life. So even just that vocabulary, yeah. uh, a vocabulary change, a definition change, right? Another whole point of, of doing this in the study. So those are some of the ways that um, you can limit or minimize or, or prevent sin in, in, in your life or help others do the same. Notice there, it's a lot of work. Hmm. There's not a quick fix formula here. Yeah. Um, and it is a lot of work, but there should be that motivation of, you know what, I'm willing to put this work in because I want more benefit and less detriment mm-hmm. going, you know, going around for me and for others. And it can't be passive work. You have to actively be doing this yeah, in an intentional way. And intentional. This is all we talk about in the boat riding. You can coast in the boat, but you can't coast on the water. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot of intentionality and effort. And so we, you know, even in the seven stage journey, we say like, you know, 80% of Christians stay in the boat where they kind of shoot from the hip, um, and play, you know, play by ear with all these mm-hmm. things. And maybe 15 or 20 percent of, of believers are actually out on the water consistently trying to do all these things and also in the air flying with their, their, their calling, you know, and know they self. Um, so it is it is a, a minority of a minority, right, of the whole world that's going to do this. And so but we're encouraging. I'm hopefully I'm hoping uh, I'm hopeful that with, with those you who are listening to this is because you are interested in this stuff and you do want to tackle it more and you can begin to be more intentional with all this. So th- those are some of those. So then we have now given all that, and that's great and fantastic because the more that you're doing that, the less sin you're causing, which is really good for everybody. Um, but life is life, and we are in the broken, messy prologue. We are made of dust, and so sin is going to occur. We're going to sin. Others are going to sin. What do we do about that? What, what is the biblical response to sin? And again, the short answer is the way that God does. So we're going to walk you guys through some some bullet points here uh, with this. And again, this is a little bit different than you've been taught or that has been the perception. 
you know, as, as you have grown up. Uh, and and we're, we're, we're totally willing to challenge that. Um, and it's very encouraging. And again, it's given that healthier mindset, which is actually going to be very practical in reducing some of the sin. So anyways, the first one comes back from that Psalm 51. So we already referenced it, and I wanted to elaborate again here. Um, we know from, from the points that we were just making and from Galatians 5, what to do after sin. First thing is make sure that you're walking in step with the Spirit immediately. We know that you hadn't been, which is why you sin, right? Because it says if you walk in step with the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So if you just carried out one of your desires of the flesh, it shows you weren't walking in step with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful to be walking in step with the Spirit. So right after you sin, and this, this, is, this is weird, it's awkward, it's going to be hard to do it first, but the more you practice, the better you'll get at it. The first thing that you want to do is you want to walk in step with the Spirit. So just, just sit in prayer. And listen, and the whole, the whole prayer unpacking will go through all that. Um, but just listen, remind yourself that the Spirit's dwelling within you and say, Holy Spirit, can you take over here? Can you take the lead as we respond to the sin that I just did? Um, so, for example, in Psalm 51, David writes that psalm. He was inspired by the Spirit to write it. So he was walking in step with the Spirit. Next thing, acknowledge and grieve the sin that you just did. Um, uh, sometimes you, if, if you're not as mature yet, you may have to allow a mature believer to show you that in, in private, uh, if need be. Uh, but anyways, so acknowledge it and grieve it. Sit there and say, and just admit it. Acknowledge just means to admit that you did it. So you admit that you turned away from God or the beneficial goods he was offering, and you turned to something outside his parameter, something detrimental. So you want to admit it. You also want to grieve it. It, it, it needs to bother you, but, but, but let the bother be not irritated. Let it be grief. And, 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 and grief or, or sadness or sorrow, you need to recognize what was the detriment. I need to acknowledge that, that a detriment was caused for me or another, and it needs to bother you a little bit. We'll, we'll get more into that in a little bit with, with emotions. Um, and then step three, instantly receive forgiveness. Um, and any erasure of the debt, God's forgiveness and yours completely. And so recognize God's already toned for it. It's already been compensated. It's already off your record. There's no more record of it. It's a non-issue. It's non-existent. You just move on. It's done. We feel really guilty by doing that. It's going to be hard for you to do this. Be like, oh, no, no, I need to be remembering it because otherwise I'll do it again. No, that's bad logic. Love, love yourself, keeps no record of wrongs. So you need to, to, to acknowledge and grieve the sin, but then immediately receive, re- recognize that you've already been forgiven. Um, and that, that should be very powerful. Uh, and so love yourself deeply and patiently and be, be very patient with yourself because you're made of dust. Uh, and so that you need, you need to be conscious of that. You also, at the same time, you need to, des- uh, oh, sorry, guys. You need to desire uh, what is true and right. Uh, and you need to ask God to renew a steadfast spirit within you. So in, in that passage in Psalm 51, David um, said, you know, he, so he acknowledged that he had sinned against God, and he, but he instantly received God's forgiveness. Then he did admit, I had a weak spirit, which is why I sinned in this way. So Lord, please renew that steadfast spirit within me. This is back to that discipline and training so that I can get stronger, the wind sprints and the free throws, so that I won't, I won't do this again. And two of the ways that he mentions in there is wisdom and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. And I think that even right here we see that David ha- took a uh, a serious view of sin instead of a critical view of Ooh, sin. That's good. Because he his focus immediately goes from 
what happened straight back to God, which is what we've been saying this whole time. If you can actually switch your mindset as it relates to that, that's what you can be able to do. And so I think that right there in Psalm 51, as you've been going through, uh, I know that's something you're really passionate about, this whole idea. Uh, And so just that's something that can really impact us if we are able to make that change. Yeah, so, so as you're doing that and, and you're thinking through, okay, so I was in a weak spirit. I need to renew my steadfast spirit. Think through why the sin happened. What, what, what triggered it? Mm-hmm. Why, how did it play out the way it did? What should have happened? What could I do yeah. differently you know, the, the next time around? You also, that's kind of the wisdom. And then the joy part, you want to be thinking on the good things that bring you joy. So this goes back to the joy study that, that we'll record later. Mm-hmm. But your relationship with God, community, the spices of life, your own transformation, justice being accomplished, heaven. Yeah. These are all the different examples. Think on those positive things. This is, this is so let me say this real quick. It's weird. But right after you sin, one of the things that you should do is start thinking on really good things that bring you joy. Mm-hmm. And it's so contrary because you're feeling guilty. And it's like, wait, wait, why would I be thinking on good things? I need to be thinking on this guilt, right? No. Going back to Psalm 51 because he mentions wisdom and joy. Because here's the thing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You sin because, in that moment because you were weak. You need to become stronger. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So by thinking on joy, you're going to get stronger to prepare for the next round. You can't be dwelling on the sin that just happened. It happened. It's done. You can't change it. It's already off the record. So you need to immediately turn and face the future and the next step that's coming. So, so you can see how weird this is, but I found it. War- it's really awkward. The enemy's going to whisper to you that you're screwing things up. You're not being a good Christian. You need to dwell on it and be guilty, etc. But no, listen to Psalm 51. Go ahead and immediately after you sin, sit with God in an intimate prayer, walk in step with the Spirit, acknowledge it and grieve it, receive the forgiveness, love yourself and be patient with yourself, and then think through the wisdom, what should have happened, etc., and then think through joyful things. You'll actually find yourself getting stronger, more freer, and you're ready for the next round. Um, and, then, and, then pr- and then it's helpful also with this to pray with another. Let them shoulder your burdens, right? We, we, we mentioned that. And then continue living. You know, um, stand up, re-implement your training, keep walking alongside God, um, and just keep walking. I, I seen that poster. It says it's not how many times you fall down, but how many times you get up. So if you fall 100 times, but you get up 101, you're successful. Mm-hmm. And so same type thing here. It's not how many times you sin. It's did you get back up in, in, in this kind of way. Um, and so let me, let me reiterate this real quick, and then we'll go to the next section. Because that's a lot of information I just gave. The three main points, the grievingly acknowledge the the forgiveness and, and release of the, of the sin and then the renewing the steadfast spirit so practically speaking i've, I've begun to try this i'm not good at it. i'm still getting mm. i'm trying to get more consistent at it but when i sin i i've memorized this now and so i said okay, okay so i just sinned i know what the three are grievingly acknowledge okay so lord i'm gonna acknowledge i'm gonna confess i'm gonna admit and just give fact yes i did i just turned away from you and it's beneficial goods to something detrimental all right and i need to grieve it why because it caused some kind of detriment. All right, so let me pay attention. What, what detriment did I cause me or another, if I can see it? Um, and let me grieve that. Like, I, I, I want to be sad hmm. that that happened to me or another. All right, so grievingly acknowledge. And, so, and just sit there as long as you need to. But then as you've done that, but now there's no guilt, no shame, no that kind of stuff. Because it's already been released. It's already been atoned for. It's already been compensated. It's already been erased. It's already been forgiven. It's a done deal. On I can go. On I can move. Okay. And I can be honest, I was weak when I did that, so I need to renew a steadfast spirit within me. So there's some kind of discipline or training that I need to go through to be ready for the next round. And so I want to encourage you guys, you guys here, the listeners, memorize those three. Mm -hmm. Grievingly acknowledge, 
um, release the you know the whole, receive the forgiveness and the love, um, and then renew the steadfast spirit. If you practically can begin doing that, I really believe that you're in a magical strong place. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is um, what to do after you sin. There's a whole lot to that. I, yeah. You want to chew on that. I don't want to brush it off, I, but I, we want to keep going with the study. It's very very powerful. And we're going to come back to that in application, like how to really do that practically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, so then, what to do after a uh, a non-believer sins? So why don't, why don't you guys go through that? Okay. So the first step that you really need to do uh, when a non-believer sin is uh, the first step for all of these. Make sure that you're walking in the spirit and you've removed the plank out of your own eye. And so you're not going to be able to actually acknowledge. We were just talking about this. You're not going to be able to acknowledge someone else's sin mm-hmm. if you're also actively pursuing sin is walking in step with the spirit going to be the first step for all of these uh i believe so yeah 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 it's the same answer every time mm-hmm. in that moment get back in there in prayer and let the spirit lead in the moment yep um and, and after that um you need to acknowledge and <coughs> grieve their sin and so that's you know you're desiring that truth and right be done in their lives and that they're they're not still um, in that state and notice that so you know you're acknowledging the sin they've done and you're grieving it for them but you're not getting angry because mm-hmm. rid yourself of all anger, right? Yeah. And then you also need to love them deeply. We talked about this a whole lot in uh, the love study. Be patient with them. They're also made of dust. You need to rid yourself of all anger, bitterness, or irritation. You need to be peaceable, gentle, and mild, and be useful to them, contributing to their well-being. Something to keep in mind here is we're talking about a non-believer, and so we can't actually have an expectation that they're not going to sin because they don't have the if if the number one way that we prevent sin in our life is have a relationship with Christ, right? right. They are missing the number one thing right. that is going to make it so they're actually able to prevent sin in their life. And so, because I feel like a lot of times we get shocked when believer when unbelievers sin, we're just like, how could they do such a thing? Especially to me, and it, it <laughs> it's really just kind of a selfish view because um, we don't want bad things to happen to us, but we need to take a step back and recognize, no, they're made of dust. I'm made of dust. And you need to love them while they are still where they're at spiritually. Um, also, um, after that, you need to pursue justice and that's the making of things right. Um, if at all possible. And that's, you know, stabilizing the situation. So real quick on that one, in that moment when you see a non-believer sinning, you know, you got to be walking in step with the spirit. You can grieve the sin, the mm-hmm. detriment that they're causing because you want to see right and benefit occur, but you need to also love them deeply. And, and then, and if you're doing those things, then you can move into the situation to try to make things right, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But you don't really just want to jump right into the justice and the making of things right until yeah. those first three are occurring. Yeah. Cause I like something that you've said before, Shannon, you've said that <coughs> you can't actually confront someone until you've forgiven them. Yeah. And so just that whole idea that if you're still in the if you're still processing through things and you're still upset and whatever, you are not in a position to be um, doing that because, I mean, really, you're not walking in the spirit to the fullest extent that you need to be. And remember, so this definition of forgiveness is moving the responsibility of compensation or atonement off of the wrongdoer onto God. Mm -hmm. So you're not allowed to confront and rebuke a wrongdoer until after you've already moved the responsibility of the compensation and atonement 
off of them onto God. Because hmm. if you do that, now you're of the right frame of mind and, and frame of heart to then go sit with them. Yeah, and I, some of you might be thinking, well, come on, guys. They're, you haven't said anything about like changing their behavior or anything. But that really is this last and foundational point. You want to introduce them to Christ and his beneficial truths. Because if they can accept Christ as Lord, uh, they'll actually be can, able to mm-hmm. fight sin. And you can begin to teach them all of these things. And if they don't, then what we our role in this is to continuously show them Christ through our actions. Yep. And so then they can really begin to realize that uh, this person keeps responding, like I keep wrong- wronging this person, but they keep responding out of love and patience and forgiveness right. and, and all things. of this. And it will just really start to bring them to, a, the Holy Spirit can use that to bring them to a place where it can really draw him to God. Two other phrases that I say a lot is um, anger will stop a sin in the moment, but love is what changes the wrongdoer, the sinner over time. Mm. And so you want to be pursuing love, not That's anger. Um, the other thing I, I say kind of with this is you can't get somebody who's not in the boat to obey the boat rules. Going back to seven stage journey, right? Okay, so now then let's talk about what to do if a fellow believer sins. And so we, the three of us, we can go through each of these. So step one, so, so, you, so you see... Um, a, uh, a fellow believer sin. Step one, make sure that you're walking in step with the spirit and have removed the planks from your own eye. Yep, yep. If, if you're not letting the spirit lead in the moment and you still have planks, you can't do anything. So you cannot confront them until you've already have begun that first step. Yep. And, and also um, we need to acknowledge and grieve their sin and, you know, desire that truth and right be done in their lives like in the other ones. And so this is like in the, in the love chapter, it says love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but delights in truth. So there is this element of you can grieve, not get angry. You can grieve the sin that they're causing because you want right to occur. Yeah. And then uh, this this third one might sound familiar to you guys. You need to love them deeply and be patient with them because they're made of dust and they're burdened. Hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need to forgive their sins uh, since they and really what you're doing is you're recognizing that their sins have already been atoned for uh, and not take their wrongs into account. First Corinthians 13. You need to rid yourself of all anger, bitterness or irritation and be peaceable, gentle and mild. And then if you're doing that, if you're walking in step with the Spirit, you're removing the planks from your own eye, you are grieving the sin they're doing, desiring that truth and right be done, you're loving them deeply, showing patience because they're made of dust, you're not taking their wrongs into account, you're not angry, you're not irritated, you're not, you're not bitter, now you can be useful to them. You need to care for them in very real ways. You need to shoulder their burdens. You need to figure out what caused, what triggered this in them and how can you share that burden with them. You need to... Um, contribute to their well-being yeah right? and with that idea of what's what triggered their behavior uh this is something that the writer of hebrews talks about in hebrews 12 1 and 2 where he says that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily <coughs> entangles us and so what that what he's saying there it, by weight is that's not actually a sin but that's something that makes it easier for you to sin so like i've heard this example uh if you struggle with excuse me uh comparison let's just say then Instagram can be a weight for you because if you're constantly checking Instagram to figure out what other people are doing, what the latest and greatest fashion is, um, comparing yourself to all of these other people in their picture-perfect lives, literally, because it's Instagram. Uh, But if you're going through and you're doing all of that, then you're opening the door for you to be walking in sin. And so what we need to be doing is we need to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And I think that's what you're talking about when you say we need to recognize some of those triggers. And something else I want to say real quick. 
the so each of these steps it's walk in step of the spirit we know from galatians 5 that's the fruit so this idea here is you need to be drenched in love peace joy patience gentleness temperance faithfulness uh and uh, for the other one too but you need to be drenched in each of those so that now you're equipped to go handle the situation and if you're not drenched in those nine fruit you don't have what it takes to to do the rebuke in a correct way right Anyways, so 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 we've done all that. Now, Connor, go ahead. Yeah, and as we're coming alongside them, um, we need to gently show them their faults in private and seek to restore them, to turn them back, um, and not to cause them to stumble in any way. Um, so part of that is to cling to hope that they can change and offer our trust to allow that to happen. So so this part here where you're actually confronting them on the wrong that they did, and, then, and not only do you confront them on the wrong— and help them see the detriment behind it, you offer to them what right looks like. Mm-hmm. This is how they should be behaving. And so the idea here is if you're already walking in step of the Spirit, taking the planks out of your own eye, you know, grieving that sin and, and delighting in truth, loving them deeply in patience and forgiveness, not taking the wrongs into account, you have no bitterness, no irritation, no anger, you're totally peaceable and gentle and mild, you're full of joy, you're full of temperance, you know, and you've been useful and kind to them, contributing to their well-being. If you're doing all these things and then you sit with them to actually point out the wrong they were doing and what, and what the right uh, could have been, you can see where that actually increases the chances mm-hmm. of them listening to For you. Sure. So that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And it's easier just to jump right to the rebuke. Yeah. But that's not what scriptures describe. Yeah. And so we want to stick with what the, what the scriptures describe, right? Because it really is so much easier to, you see something going on, hey, nope, stop. You don't do that anymore. And <laughs> like that really is just an oversimplification of this process. And so if you go through all of this and they do repent, so they acknowledge their sin and they turn back to God and his beneficial things, then help them renew a steadfast spirit through training and prayer. And this is really just Matthew 18 lays this out for us. Uh, but that doesn't always happen. And so if they don't repent, then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to gather one or two others and have them go through the same process. So another mature believer who is putting their own needs before themselves, going through all of these steps, um, then bring another. And it's it's really interesting because a lot of times we hear uh, this verse in Matthew 18, uh, we hear where two or more are gathered, the spirit of the Lord is. And we think that that's about worship services and singing. And that's actually not. That's right here in the middle of the context talking about biblical correction. And so that verse is talking about gather one or two and go and talk to him because where one or two are gathered, the spirit of the Lord is. And so it's just really, that's that was for free. Um, but I just hear that so often like, oh, we, the spirit of the Lord is here. There's more than two of us. No, I mean, you can have a worship service with Anyway, sorry, I rest my case. Uh, if they don't repent after uh, you gather one or two others, then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to gather the local body of believers uh, and have each of them come and go through this process with you. And then if they're still not repenting, then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to cast them to Satan, is literally what it says. From uh, the community. Yeah, so cast them out. Uh, and then, so you're not going to let them suffer from excessive sorrow until they repent and then restore them, giving no record of wrong. And 
So, I, go ahead. Uh, one thing that I've heard about this, because this is also a lot of the passages that talk about treating them as a tax collector and other things. Um, one explanation of this that makes the most sense to me is that what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to treat them as an unbeliever because they probably are if they've made it to this point without repenting. Mm. And so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to treat them as an unbeliever. So that doesn't mean shun them and keep them out of your community forever. But what you're doing is you're saying, no, right now you think that you're saved, but we're not seeing any of the fruit of repentance in your life. And so what we want to do is we want to show you who Jesus actually is. And so then you can get saved and really begin to walk through this process. Yeah. And so I like that explanation a lot more than um, just an ornery believer. You just shun him out and then don't talk to him anymore because it seems to make more sense that um, what you're supposed to do is you want to bring people to Christ. And so you don't want to give someone a false sense of um, salvation that no, you're not repenting and you are doing this continuously wrong thing. You can just stay here. Yeah. You can be a member of our church right. still. It's fine. Um, because then what happens if they never actually come to a true saving faith of Jesus? And so I think that makes, yeah, that makes the most sense to me at least. So one of the things for me was, you know, you, you read these passages about hand them over to Satan, warn a, dev- a divisive man twice, then, then had nothing to do with him, treat them as an unbeliever, you know, et cetera. There's these harsh phrases. Then you see like Galatians 6, 1, you who are spiritual, you who are walking in step of the spirit are the ones to do this and all the love things. And remember, the whole point of these unpackings is let me actually take all the passages that talk about rebuke and correction and bring them all together and see how they all play together and create a picture. So I actually have a separate document. We were just kind of referencing the shorthand version of that. But this this document that walks you through step by step everything that you're supposed to be doing before you can rebuke somebody and correct them. And so this is what what, what we were just reading through is the picture that emerges. So think about this for a second. Let's say, you know, again, somebody um, is, is doing something wrong and I first am, am walking in step of the spirit, letting the spirit lead me. I'm taking the planks out of my own eye. I'm getting all that fruit, you know, so I'm becoming this really solid individual and I absolutely love them and I'm because they're made of dust. I'm patient with them and I'm already forgiving them for the sins because they've already been forgiven, you know, and so, so I'm not letting any bitterness or irritation move in, nothing like that. I'm coming alongside them and, I, and I'm sharing their burdens with them and I'm contributing to their well-being and I'm serving them and I'm truly loving them in, in practical ways. This creates a really tight bond or should it, hopefully anyways. And so then if I address and I say, listen, um, you know, a lot of times even practically speaking, I'll ask questions rather than tell. Not that you're doing this. It's like, hey, how are you doing right now? Um, you know, so, so what's bothering you? This is the sharing of the burdens. What's troubling you? What's triggering you? And let them share all that. Then as we're getting to that awesome question, like, now let me ask you this. With all that stuff coming on, I know for me, if I'm getting attacked like that and all that stuff's triggering me, a lot of times I end up lashing out in sinful ways where I'm causing some detriment for another, et cetera. What do you think you're doing maybe from this, um, you know, because of this? And maybe they acknowledge it. Maybe they don't. You have to point it out. Right. It would depend on each conversation. Um, and, then, and then but then you want to get right into solution focused counseling. What would right look like? What, what's the best thing here? Um, what can I do to help you get there? Hmm. Right. And so the idea being that hopefully if you're doing all these things and you have that kind of conversation, they're going to come around to you and they're going to listen and say, yeah, I am causing detriment from this. And so then they walk through the Psalm 51 order themselves, you know, et cetera. And you help them. But let's say they're still kind of defensive, um, and so they're not listening to you, and they're still kind of blowing it off. Then you go find one or two others who are just like you, 
hmm. that they were going through all the same things. So the spiritual maturity, you know, walking in step, all the fruit, they're loving, they're patient, they're forgiving, they're kind, they're useful. They come and ask the person, what's been bothering you? Tell us about it. What can we do to help you? Right. And doing all of that stuff and then getting around to it. Now in the process of this, are you doing anything wrong through this? You know, and can we help you through that? Maybe then now there's two or three of you doing it. It may help. Maybe they still don't want to admit it. So then it says you get the whole community. Now, I think like, you know, in our church, we have we'll call it a thousand people. I wouldn't say you get all thousand. I would say probably community group size is kind of what, you know, these small home churches type thing. So you might have like eight or 10 or 12 or 16, every single one of them going through the exact same process. They're getting in step with the spirit and the spirit lead. They have all the fruit. They're loving and patient. They're forgiving. They're bearing the person's burdens. They're helping them out. Hey, what can we do for you? And then they ask that question. Is there, is there anything that you're doing in process? So just kind of the point you were just making, if, if, and hopefully then that's enough to get them to come around. But if at that point they still haven't come around, then you're like, wow, you know what? None of this stuff is working. So Paul would say, and Jesus would say, you now need to move to the harsh level. And that harsh level is you have to actually kick them out of the community for a time. Um, and, and, you know, cause the idea being, this is the wake up call they need. You need to actually withdraw. You, you still have your, you still love them and such, but you withdraw that community from them and let them be on their own, kind of the prodigal son stage, because you've already tried all these other amazing, powerful, loving ways, and they still haven't done it yet. And now it's time for that tough love. Mm. Um, and and then and then and then you, and you're you're not kicking them out. Oh, well, screw you! Obviously, you're not going to change. It's not that at all. There's always that hope that in that aloneness that they'll come around. And Paul even references this in, in, in one, of the, one of the people in their church they had done this to, but it got so severe. Paul, ooh, enough's enough, guys. He's already went through all the sorrow he needs. Let's, let's bring him back in. Um, and so eventually the person can come around there. And so that helped me understand, yeah, there's these tough, harsh, tough love passages, but it's way at the end mm-hmm. if all these other things are be done, being done first. So what was amazing to me when I, when I looked at all this, I'm like, you know what? If, if this was to actually happen, like all this was to actually play out, I think it would work. You know, so first it starts with the Psalm 51 and me. If I'm not grievingly acknowledging and, and, and then receiving the forgiveness um, or recognizing that I've been forgiven and, and renewing the steadfast spirit, I'm actually over time going to become stronger and sin less. And then going through all these steps that we were just reading through here, if we're doing all these things, it seems that it really could help people. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like even just from a psychological relational perspective, mm-hmm. that seems powerful and impactful and effective. And I'm like, that's actually really, really cool. I've never seen that. Never, I've seen parts of this, but never in my life, 45 years, never have I actually seen the entire process go through. Hmm. It's a shame. Why do you guys think that is? Well, I think um, for starters, it's pretty difficult to do. Um, yeah. And, and I think, I mean, even going through this, like kind of getting to this point, there's a certain understanding of evil and sin that we have to get through and how we respond to that and how God to respond to that. So there's a lot that builds up to this. Um, so to see that happen, there first needs to be that foundation that we've gone through in these episodes of what evil and sin is. And so a lot of people, we haven't even gotten to that step yet. So True, to see that's this good point. Um, play out um, is rare because we still need to see the other areas play out in the previous episode we've discussed. Yeah. And I think another component of this is, is there's a lot of spiritual maturity that has to be going on up to this point. Yes. And so in order to have a community of spiritually mature believers come and consult one person, 
you have to have an entire community of spiritually mature believers, which seems really like, well, duh. But like to actually have that in a church, unfortunately, is from my experience, pretty rare. Right. Um, and so having people that actually are committed to a first Corinthians 13 view of love with all of the different components that we talked about for over two hours, like to actually go through all of that takes a lot of work and a lot of people and it and so in order to go through this process correctly you have to be walking step with the spirit you have to be loving them deeply you have to actually be useful to them and what's so much easier is to say yeah you're sinning uh hey you're sinning bring your friend yeah we think you're sinning bring a couple more people yeah we think you're sinning you're gonna have to leave <laughs> and that sort of thing i feel like churches do much more frequently uh Maybe not very publicly, but like, yeah, we see some different sin going on. And so we're, you're probably going to have to go somewhere else. Um, and so just adopting a view that actually comes from maturity, removing the plank out of your own eyes and being just drenched in love, I think is rare to actually have. Yeah. So the, you know, this has been a theme through all of this. Some of the pushback, it sounds like we're being a little bit lighter and it's because we are because we're going from critical to serious but we've actually found it's this lighter approach that's more effective mm -hmm. so don't be afraid of like you know we're supposed to be you know whipping you know whip, 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 uh with this idea of sin to keep people in line we've done that for the church has done it for thousands of years how's that worked mm -hmm. and so one of the big things for me was me taking this super harsh hypercritical approach to sin in my life and others didn't really change anything Mm -hmm. so something's not working there and so when I begin coming to, to grips with all of these things it actually I, I found even though I still sin every day I'm finding myself sinning less mm -hmm. um, then there's something impactful with that and me getting to have these classes and studies and one-on-ones I've seen others you know go, go through the same thing so we want to encourage you guys give this a shot mm -hmm. you know with that um, now, so let's, so to, 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 to kind of summarize, to rapid fire again, how can we, you know, resist or, or limit or, or prevent the sin in our life? You're believing in Jesus as Lord. You're studying and applying scriptures. You're walking in step of the spirit and diligently adding to your faith. You're equipping yourself. You're treasuring what God treasures. You're embracing love and another fruit. You're establishing necessary uh, disciplines and techniques. You're doing this in community, you know, in including shouldering each other's burdens. Um, another ways to say this, some of the other phrases we saw in the study, you're emulating Jesus. You're fixing your eyes on him. Um, you're receiving his conviction. You're having fe the proper fear of the Lord. You're setting your heart on seeking the Lord. You're renewing your mind. You're putting on the full armor of God. You're obeying all the commandments. You know, you're receiving encouragement. You're making no provisions for the flesh. You're throwing off all that hinders. And if you're doing all of these things, it really is that life to the bones um, that, that we keep coming up with in, in Proverbs. And you're going to find favor among God and men. Be, be going back to kind of wrap all this up, um, you know, with the, the commandments and the prohibitions, beneficial things and detrimental things. The more that you're intentionally pursuing the beneficial things and resisting the detrimental things, just the better off you are, stronger, wiser. You know, God's happier. Other people are going to be happy around you. Then you can help them as as the as the city on a hill and and salt and light. You know, um, and then this this the whole thing can kind of just spread. So, so we want to encourage you. This is an awesome thing. We want you to give thought to it. Yeah. If you guys had any last application points that you wanted to give of just some practical things to keep in mind as one is going through this, what might you offer? Yeah, I think I have just a couple things. One is that, uh, and I alluded to this in an earlier episode, but I don't remember how much uh, we actually went into it. But I think we need to really move from asking for forgiveness to 
showing true repentance when mm-hmm. we ourselves sin. And so, um, and the difference there is really recognizing the atonement and that we are already forgiven for our sins. And so we don't have to keep asking for forgiveness because that's not the issue. The issue is we need to turn from our sin and we need to turn back to Christ. Um, and then also, I think that it's really important to recognize the difference between guilt and shame and conviction. And so, like, when we sin, we should be convicted. We should recognize that what we just did is wrong. Um, but that doesn't, I don't think that should result in shame. And what I mean by shame, I guess I should define that for you guys is having a focus on yourself and like, oh man, I just did this. I messed up. Uh, and, uh, just really beating yourself up over sin, which relates back to the critical versus serious thing. Um, because I really think the problem with that is you're focused on yourself instead of being focused on God. Mm-hmm. And so when after you sin, you just sit there in your sin and you just wallow and you're just like, ah, why did I do this? I'm so, I'm an awful person. And you go through all this list of self-condemnation. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And so if God's not condemning you, why do we think we have to condemn ourselves? Right. And so just moving from that and uh, yes, receiving conviction, but moving beyond um, shaming ourselves to really just come back to the cross and fix so, our eyes on Jesus. So you you replace those emotions of guilt and shame mm-hmm. with conviction and encouragement. Yeah, because it's the because con- con- conviction is about what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and then did you mention the anger and the and the grief? No, we hadn't yeah. mentioned that one. Um, so same same thing with yeah. that one. Yeah, that you so just like so you you want to replace your feelings of shame and guilt with feelings of conviction and encouragement. You want to replace any feelings of anger or bitterness or irritation with grief and sorrow and sadness. Hmm. And they're small little changes, but they're powerful changes. Yeah. And I'm still myself. I'm in a, I'm in a stage now where I'm trying to figure out how that actually works mm-hmm. is, is where I'm at. I'm excited about it because I get angry easily. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of replacing that with grief and sorrow, with it, whatever that is. Yeah. And it's just so incredibly powerful when you decide to have joy because that was one of the points that we brought up mm-hmm. in our response to sin. If instead of beating yourself up over your sin, you have joy that you have been forgiven and your sins have been atoned for. And God's not wanting to sit there and beat you up going back to God's response to sin. God actually just wants to keep training you. And so if you sin and you're saying, oh, man, I really like I recognize that was wrong. I really don't want to do that again. Lord, thank you so much for your provision with the cross. And you just look straight back to him and you have joy that you act. He wants to continue this process and you can have joy that you want to continue the process of just becoming more like him. It just propels you so much more effectively Mm -hmm. than any sort of self-condemnation can. Do you see where all of this is a spectrum where on, on one to the left, it's just this condonement and it's a liberality and, oh, I can do it. It's no problem. But then to the so then people go to the far right to counter that. And it's this beating up and this condemnation and that kind of deal. It's this harshness, this criticalness. And so this whole study, we've been trying to move back. People, let's show you what the middle looks like. In the middle, it's it's the joy, it's the wisdom, it's the forgiveness, it's the grieving, right? It's still about, you're still acknowledging the wrongness of the sin. You're, you're acknowledging the results that it brings and that kind of deal. To me, as I began making that shift, it was so powerful for me. that like, wow, because I knew I couldn't go far left, but far right didn't make sense to me either. And so when I realized there was this middle ground that just seemed so much more realistic, so much more accurate to things, and so much more healthy. So one, I was just much more encouraged and comfortable when I sat in there. And then two, I found that effect that, that was actually changing the the excuse me the amount of sin in my life right it was amazing Connor what about you 
Um, for me, I think um, one of the really encouraging things and things to remember is um, to look back and how God responds to our sin. And so when, yeah. when we're talking about, you know, how do we respond to sin, like really take to heart how God responds to sin and remember that. Because um, then I feel like a lot of times we as humans, we look at how other people respond to sin and we try to emulate that. But we need to go back to how does God look at sin, especially in um, in relation to this whole all these podcasts that we've had mm-hmm. on this topic. And how does God respond to sin and then try to emulate that um, and how we respond to our own sin and other people's sins. Yeah. So to wrap all this up with application for you, the listener, we've now had six episodes running seven or eight hours. And it's a lot of information. And I feel like we still didn't cover everything we could cover. <laughs> it's true. Um, which is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. But I want to help you organize your thoughts a bit because, again, this is so much stuff. And so what I want to encourage you to do is, is to, if, if you really want to make a change in your life, if you really want to bring more pleasure to God, right? I mean, because, again, he, he made you. He knows the best system. He died for you. Um, this is for his benefit. It's for other people's benefit. It's for your benefit. You know, um, there's more benefit and less detriment that comes, more rewards that come. There's just so many different things that this can do. Yes, it's a lot of work and effort, but the but the the results are totally worth it. So to do that, you want to try to break down into smaller bite-sized pieces, which is why why we did these small groups. So our small episodes. So what I would encourage you to do is to go back and listen to these episodes again and make your notes. And so from the first episode A, the definitions of evil, especially the detrimental part, and then the de- the definition of that sin, primarily turning away from God mm-hmm. and His beneficial goods, and then turning to something else. Um, you want to look at the second episode in B in what are those results of sin? The primary three being it does bring pleasure. It also brings detriment. It also prevents some benefit. Um, you want to go to the, to the third episode and, and go through the, the whole why. And one of the big things is God went ahead and intentionally set up this broken beta prologue, mm-hmm. knowing that all the sin was going to occur so that some of those other beneficial goods could, can occur, you know, with the, the, the significant free will and, yeah. and, and the moral responsibility and all that. Um, and so then we, the reason why we sin is it is part of the story. We are made of dust, of dust or, or you know, we are, we are made of flesh. We have an enemy just trying to screw things up and, and, and make it all worse. Mm-hmm. And there is that pleasure. So you're just understanding this is why I sin so much, you know. And then you can go to the fourth episode and, and those sins. And you, and you want to realize there's the commands and the prohibitions. There's the be and the do. And you really want to be able to pick one or two of the commands to begin to pursue in that more. And maybe one of the prohibitions that you want to begin to resist more. And just do that as long as it takes. And then pick another couple. Then pick another couple. Knowing that there's probably over 180 total and in your life you're probably if you're super intentional and you're young you might hit 80 or 100 Hmm. if you're older hearing this uh and you're you're not always as intentional you might hit 20 or 30 or 40 when you're done that's all successful that's all fantastic right and so be encouraged and begin moving in that direction knowing that that you're going to become stronger and more freedom and it's just going to be all kinds of good stuff then you can look at the fifth episode and God's response to sin. And the main things being God is not irritated with me. Anger is not his upfront thing. It's a much delayed thing only if needed um, that he truly loves me. He's truly crazy about me. He's patient with me. He's already forgiven the sin. He's, he's solution focused. He's forward thinking and he gets all excited when he's sitting with you, just talking through the stuff in a practical way, not a condemning way. Yeah. And then you can look at this last episode and some of the specific things that we gave as far as ways to prevent or limit that upfront by walking in step more with the 
Spirit and applying the details of the Bible, you know, and, and, and maturing in your faith and getting that that fruit of the Spirit. And then what to do when when um, after the sin occurs, that you do want to acknowledge it and grieve it, but you also need to recognize that because of Christ's atoning work, it's already been erased. It's already off the record. It's already a done deal. Um, and But you do need to renew that steadfast spirit within you and get stronger through wisdom and joy of all things, you know. And so so make a make some notes to yourself on some index cards, circle and star, color code, you know, whatever you want. It could be a, a Microsoft OneNote or Excel spreadsheet or whatever, you know, or maybe you're an Apple guy, um, whatever it may be. But but you make all those notes and then begin and begin memorizing what you need to memorize. And then and Zach made the point. It's not just memorizing. It's also applying. Right. Mm-hmm. So memorize and apply um, and then just try to do it. Try to find a community of like minded believers, which I realize is an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. But try to do that. And you guys come alongside. Together. I'm like, this is awesome. This is scary, but it's exciting at the same time. Let's just try to live all this stuff out. And, 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 and this goes back to what I said the other episode. Just take like three months or three weeks or whatever and just say, you know what? I'm going to live as if this is true. I'm just going to assume this is the picture the Bible is painting. This is what it's presenting about who God is and what sin is and how to respond to it, etc. I'm going to go ahead and give that a shot. It's a little scary. The enemy does not want you to do this. So the enemy is going to tell you, no, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. You need to condemn yourself. You need to beat yourself up, da, da, da. And you just tell the enemy to screw off, you know, and, and I'm not listening to you. Um, and give it a shot and watch the power that comes from this. You know, and and so the last thing I want to say is because there's so much more you could say, and, yeah. and we prayed over this, and we, and we know that we just need to leave this in God's hands. That He's He's going to work His magic even better than Connor and Zach and I can. And so this is a trust issue for me because I feel like oh I need to explain more. I need to give another analogy. I need to give another definition. I don't. We've just spent six or seven hours laying all this stuff down. This is now between you and God. And so just listen to God. Let Him lead you in the moment. Let Him confirm these things. Elaborate on. Them. Them, and then just give it a shot and all these other unpackings the ones that we've already done the ones that we're going to do all this stuff it's a huge web right it all overlaps it all links and as you continue doing more of these it's just more and more stuff's going to begin making sense you're going to get your aha moments you know maybe there's certain parts that you just do not understand what we were trying to say that's fine there may be some other unpacking that you go through and then that's when it clicks for mm-hmm. you right um, so keep pursuing all this. The next, th- this is it. This is the end of the, of the, the, the evil sin unpacking. The next one is suffering. And so we, we always want to tie those together. And so, and so we're going to take a lot of what we, we did, especially in that third episode C about why God allows this stuff. And then we're going to get into what is suffering exactly? Why does it occur? What are the different types of suffering and, and how should we go about responding to that? Um, and that could be very encouraging as well. So, so I love you guys. You know, I don't, I don't even know all of you. Some of you, I know, you know, that, that listen, um, I really, really hope and pray that, that this is a powerful thing for you that even if, even if there's just one takeaway from this, um, that it begins a change in you. And I just get really, really excited about that. So Papa, I'll just pray to you on the podcast. We just, we're, we're so thankful for how good you are, how beneficial you are, how loving you are, how just you are, how you're trying to make things right. I, I don't fully understand the this broken prologue that you've allowed, but I'm starting to get it and it does make sense and it makes me even more in awe of you and it helps me better tackle this stuff that I'm trying to tackle. So we just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to put this podcast together and put all this material together. So I just pray for for the three of us here. I pray for all those that, that are listening over the coming weeks and months and years um, that whatever needs to be heard is heard. 
whatever needs to click clicks, whatever change needs to be to, to take, take, take place takes place. Um, and that each of us begin can begin to become the more complete version that you've designed us to be. We can become a little more salt, a little more light, uh, a little more of a city on a hill that we're, we're bringing that much more of your kingdom to existence now, all in preparation for that perfect kingdom that you're, you're going to one day bring about and we're going to get it in joy in all its fullness. And so we love you for these things. Um, and it is in your name. It's for your glory. It's for your honor. It's to you that we pray. Amen. Amen. So thanks, guys, and, and we'll see you in the, the, the next episode for Suffering.